Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hollywood Sports Mom. And it's here. It's here, finally. This is our follow-up episode to the three-part infertility journey episodes I took you on two weeks ago. And um, thank you to everyone who sent notes and wrote some really heartwarming, beautiful things in response. And, you know, it felt right to do that, that explain my journey, how it went along, and then have some sort of a follow-up for people who had questions or um, thoughts and insights and, and so forth. And on that note, I, I came across a Facebook group that I found so extremely helpful and um, just kind of a beautiful, beautiful gesture to put out there into the world. Um, it's a Facebook group run by uh, Brenda Rana, who joins us today. Hi, Brenda. Hey, Carol. So happy to be here. Thank you for joining. And um, Brenda's Facebook group is called IVF Infertility and Pregnancy Support. And I joined it as soon as I got back on Facebook and was blown away. I mean, Brenda, you now have over 16,000 women around the world. Yes. Yes. That, that's got to make you feel good. It does. It does. And, you know, um, I'm so happy that I could do this and have people come uh, together in one place and help each other out all around the world, you know. It's, it's listen, the power of voices together, you know, it's, it's, a remarkable thing. And by the way, I love that you're doing our Zoom from your car. The reason <laughs> why I love it, Brenda, is because I I do nearly all of my Zoom calls and conference calls from my car like you do. And I, I work with the NFL and a lot of the NFL folks always make fun of me. They're like, Carol's in the car again. And by the way, my look is just like yours. I got the I got the rocking car seat in the bag. So it's a real mom look. And they always make fun of me. I'm like, listen, if you want a normal conference call without a child screaming in the background or begging for mommy, here I am. I'm in the car. So I love yeah. your look. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. I have my props in place, you know. Yeah, exactly. All the necessary props. And, you know, I listen, a lot of my fertility story and just other episodes I do have to do with karma and you know, connections and so forth. And I just have to say that when you and I started talking, we realized that we were both years ago in New York yeah. City, in the yeah. same exact neighborhood. You are a pharmacist and you were working in a certain store uh, over on Lexington, I think in the 50s. And I spent eight or more years working right in that neighborhood, which is wow. crazy. And I, I love this kind of stuff. It's kind of like the TV show Lost where, you know, yeah. you knew people from way you passed people in the in the your you know years earlier, and then you end up together. It's almost like yeah. karma's bringing you close to each other, and then you finally meet up and connect. and And I thought that was just crazy. So I'm glad we finally connected on this group of sixteen thousand women and men um, from around the world. <laughs> um, so, but why don't you quickly just brief us on? And I know it was twelve years ago for you, but your Mm -hmm. IVF or infertility journey? Sure. So uh, first of all, Carol, I want to thank you for uh, doing this with me. Uh, you know, I, I'm so excited to learn about your journey as much as you are about mine. And, and you know, together we can hopefully inspire a lot of women to, um, you know, share their journeys with us at some point. Mm -hmm. um, so talking about mine, I was um, working as a pharmacist in Atlanta. And initially, I mean, my husband and I had been married about eight years, but we never had, uh, you know, baby planned in our uh, life at all, if I may say so. But then certain uh, events happened, you know, we got a little uh, involved with spirituality and we felt like hmm, maybe we should bring a soul into this world and uh, give that soul, if I may say so, the same kind of spiritual nourishment we are uh, benefiting from right now. And that's where we started, uh, you know, we decided to have a child and it was almost three years we were trying, you know, the whole ordeal, right? Yeah. Every month, checking temperatures, making sure you're ovulating. Oh my God. I know. It was like I going know. back and back. You know, I know. And so, um, you know, I had a very close friend in New York who uh, had both her babies through IVF. Okay. So after after three years of us trying naturally, 
I was getting frustrated. I was 33 by then and I was talking to her and she said, you know, why are you killing yourself with ha trying to have a baby naturally? You know, well, what's this obsession about trying to have a baby naturally? And I'm like, I, uh, she's like, why don't you both get tested if there is an issue? I said, I never thought of that. And then that's when we both got tested. Uh, turns out nothing was wrong with our, you know, um, mm -hmm. tests results. Uh, the doctor insisted we keep trying, but we had hectic work schedules. So did, we didn't want to waste any more time on doing what we did for three years without any results. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every month you're like anticipating, okay, even if my period came in three days late, I would be so excited. I'm like, okay, right. maybe, maybe, maybe I've done it this time, but no. So it was just like three long years of doing that. And we were like, forget it, you know. Yeah, And that's when she motivated me to um, consider IVF. Mm -hmm. And it made so much sense, Carol. You know, sometimes you just have to be practical. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, um, you know, timing is important. I always tell all my friends, I'm like, yeah, you guys don't want to, you know, have babies right now. But women's eggs are not going to stay long. Um, and, you know, they do, we do deplete them over time. And, yes. you know, not only the, not only the quantity, but also the quality. So, if you do want to have children, you know, freeze your eggs, do whatever it has, but you know, don't, don't just take it so lightly. The whole reproductive system is, should not be taken for granted. So with her advice, we um, decided for alternative methods. Of course, our fertility specialist uh, wanted us to do IUI first. Yeah. So tried two IUIs and both failed and he wanted to do up to five IUIs, but I was like, I'm not going to wait till 35 to have a child. I want a child now. So mm -hmm. let me be practical. Let me jump into the IVF and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. So that's where the whole IVF journey started. Um, my friend was very supportive. At the time, there was no Facebook group. Uh, you know, this is, I'm mm -hmm. talking about, you know, 12, right. uh, 12 years ago. So uh, the concept of having a community of women or men, you know, going through this journey, I had no uh, contact. It was just personal contacts that I had where I get my information from mm -hmm. or the web, right? Yep. And um, she was really, really supportive. And she said, you know, you can do this. You're a pharmacist. You just have to give a shot to yourself. You do IM injections. Right, you right. do shots. Do flu shots all the time. So what are you worried about? You can teach your husband. And so uh, that's how um, we went in for IVF and um, I had uh, decided that I'm going to try two, maximum three IVFs. Mm -hmm. uh, if, um, even if my third IVF fails, I probably will uh, think about adoption. Mm -hmm. you know? So we mm -hmm. had that whole plan. Mm -hmm. and I. Mm -hmm. But luckily for us, the first IVF worked. Wow. And yeah, I had, um, I had five good eggs. Mm -hmm. I decided to, uh, you know, put in three, I mean, mm -hmm. two, and, um, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, save, uh, three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah put them in a bag mm -hmm. for later. Mm -hmm. So we, um, did two transfers and, um, it worked. I mean, we, I have one daughter now from that IVF mm -hmm. and. It wasn't an easy journey because, you know, you have a lot of things to take care of while you are. And there's so much um, uncertainty, right? You're always worried oh, that something shouldn't happen, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's my idea of journey in a nutshell. I have a lot to thank my friend for, for pushing me to do this. And, um, you know, yeah, I have my, uh, you know, IVF baby with me now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you said a couple of things that really resonated. One is sort of a funny story, but when you talked about age and, and how, you know, women are born with their eggs and, you know, men can reproduce sperm every year. Of course yeah. they can, right? And then we're just, we just have what we have and have to deal with it. But um, what you said about age sort of brought up a, a funny memory, kind of funny memory for me in that one of my girlfriends was getting married right when she was turning 40. And she said to me, okay, so we're, uh, and I was younger than her at the time. And she said, we're getting married and we're going to travel for a year. And then we're going to try to have a baby. And I said, stop, 
I said, you're not traveling. I go, you need to get on it right now. And she's like, really? And I was like, yes, you can't mess around. Like, especially those years, 39 up, like every year, really things change quickly and rapidly. And so she's like, okay, so I'm, I'm lecturing her in December, her wedding, you know, they were doing a quick wedding in April. And so I'm lecturing her, giving her this lecture in December. She calls me January 15th. She goes, I'm going to kill you. I'm pregnant on the first try and I'm going to be pregnant at my wedding. And I was like, oops. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, but it was, it was a good thing, but it was just kind of funny because she's like, I'm going to be at that point where I'm just a little bit bloated in my wedding dress and she still couldn't tell anybody. So anyway, now she has like a, I don't know, she has a a 10 year old daughter or something. So she's, she's happy. She's. She's fine. It's just a funny story to think back on. But another thing you made me think of when you said, you know, you went into the doctor and you had in your head, you know, how you, how many times you would try certain things and they wanted to keep going with the IUIs and IUIs worked yeah. for some people. They did not work for me either. And I love that you were your own patient. You were your own advocate because uh-huh. especially through this, you have to be. And, you know, I learned quickly, my first doctor, um, everyone in LA was going to this doctor. So I just assumed, okay, I'm with the good doctor. And, and he was a very nice man, but it just wasn't working for me. And I came to find out later that he completely over-medicated me. I mean, gave me the highest amount of folistim and everything else. And that was just his thing, you know, and that worked for some women, but like, he was kind of ruining my eggs by doing that. When I went to the next doctor, she's like, oh, no, no, no. That was way too much Volistim. And then she lessened and switched up, you know, all the amounts of different medicines and then voila, healthy embryos. So it just is amazing how if you're not your own patient advocate or you're not your own advocate, um, you know, things, things can change. But yeah, thank you for sharing your uh, journey with us. And um, yeah, mine. Um, which you may have seen in the three episodes, but essentially, like I said, three IUIs that didn't work. Um, a lot of other things they tried. We're going to scrape your uterus so that, you know, oh. yeah, the embryo might stick better because there'll be fresh cells in your uterus. We, uh-huh. try, we tried so much, so many random things in between. Um, and then I went, and then with that first doctor, who I didn't realize wasn't the best doctor because I thought everyone was going to him, so it must be great. Um, uh-huh. I think I did two IVFs, uh, with him. And, um, and then I switched and I'm so grateful I did because I, I just, the, the difference in the doctors was just, uh, incredible. And, um, I got with my second practice out in California and, you know, I worked with two different doctors there and they were both amazing. And, you know, but through that I had, um, I had a total of 10 IVFs. Um, and the reason why it it wasn't planned that way, but it was just, you know, we would find a healthy embryo and then, you know, we were like, okay, we have one, but the clock's ticking, you know, I'm 41, 42, let's go in again. Let's, let's get as many eggs as, you know, we can while I'm young, younger, because we didn't know, um, you know, if they would stick or anything else. So we kind of wanted some backup Mm -hmm. and then we did that a couple of times so that we did. And then. And then, you know, then we were surprised with a mosaic embryo. There were all these twists and turns, you know, where it was like, we don't know if a mosaic's healthy or not. And all this new science came out. I mean, it was mind boggling. And so then we started to try and that's when the miscarriages started, you know, kind of one by one. And and then um, we had our, our, our last miscarriage was pretty brutal. And I, I talk about this in episode two of the second part of my fertility journey that I posted, but it, um, the embryo actually left my uterus, went into my body and planted on an organ and wow. was growing. They knew it was growing because they were taking my blood numbers and my uh-huh. HCG pregnancy numbers were going up. Uh-huh. And they're like, you have a pregnancy growing on one of your organs. Um, and it was wow. a life. Yeah. I don't know how it's been possible. It's, oh, well, you buy something, Brenda, trust me. If you follow my life story, you'll be like, I didn't know any of that was possible. I'm kind of a freak, okay? But um, these things just happen to me. I'm not joking. And I didn't know it was possible either. It's technically termed, I think, an ectopic. Um, Even though though it wasn't in my tube, it's still just, I guess the technical definition for that might be if it's not in your uterus. So it wasn't in my uterus, but... Mm -hmm. 
they they could see it wasn't in my tubes and it was nowhere in my uterus and it was growing. So it was um, a frightening time and I wasn't allowed to travel. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I had to, you know, take the, you might know the name of it better than I, but the methyltrexicate, I think it is, um, which is a low dose form of chemo. And um, they gave that to me and they said one, one dose or whatever should not, should, you know, eradicate the pregnancy because my life was on the line. Cause if, if the pregnancy right. was on an organ and twisted, I would internally bleed and die very quickly. Right. So it's like a ticking right. time bomb. And, um, you know, so they said the one dose would, would help, you know, stop everything. Well, it didn't, of course it didn't. I had to go back for more. It was just brutal. And then that made me so sick. I don't think it was the actual medicine that made, I mean, the, the methyl that made me sick. I think it will, impaired my immune system. I came down with, I mean, listen, I came down with one of the worst illnesses I've ever had to the point where, you know, my mom and my husband would take turns coming to stay with me to make sure I wasn't alone during this. And they couldn't stay in the same room with me. I was hacking all night. I was so fatigued. It just, anyway, I won't, I won't dwell on it too much further, but it was that experience that my husband said, we need to we need to explore surrogacy, which we knew nothing about. And again, it's, it's your friends that come out of the woodwork. And my one friend, she just, while I was going through this horrible time, she said, listen, I know someone who, you know, went and, and, you know, used a surrogacy company and she hooked me up with her and she was a godsend. And it's amazing how women can bond. I never met this one woman and we just completely bonded over her surrogacy experience and she had two beautiful daughters um through surrogacy so we went that route and you know even then our um you know it, there was more twists and turns you know our, our first surrogate was absolutely beautiful and young and um you know everything you'd probably check in the box for surrogacy she was and uh, like the perfect surrogate and by by a fluke you know we put in two embryos, one split. So we started with triplets and then one by one, they all went away, which for our doctor said is unheard of. Like that out of the three, you know, like sometimes a vanishing twin will go away, but they said it's not going to happen. And it happened. So it was a rough, rough journey with our first surrogate and she's lovely and none of it was, you know, her fault. And, um, we just felt terrible for bringing her through this. And so that's when we all agreed. And she was, you know, pretty much on board that we would go and um, try another surrogate. And we did. And that one turned out successfully, finally. But, um, you know, it was quite a journey of three IUIs, 10 IVFs, six miscarriages, one near death, uh, two, oh, two surrogates, and then finally our baby. So, um, yeah, it was it was quite the journey. And that's why I wanted to share it with people in those episodes, because, you know, I've I've never heard of a journey quite like mine. I've heard of some very similar, but um, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things you just can't make it up. Um, but I'm glad we go ahead. I mean, uh, Carol, I mean, I'm sorry, but when whenever you hear about, you know, the number of um, IVFs you've had and the IUIs and you know you've tried surrogacy and it always I've always wanted to ask you this is you know what kept you going like what was what was that thing inside of you and also your husband if I may say yeah. so because you, without his support you couldn't have gone on yeah but what made you um so hopeful you know each time um, like I would have given up you know what I mean like yeah people would have given up. And I do know people that said that. In fact, I had, I had a friend who she and I started IVF at the same time. We probably had gone through two each and she said, I'm out of it. I'm done. Um, She called it a racket. I'm out of this racket. She said, and she said, I'm going to get an egg donor. And she goes, I thought long and hard about this. And I looked at my family and this, she's kind of a very funny person, but she said, you know, what do I want, really want to bring along on my genetics? Is it the alcoholism in my family? Is it all the frizzy, gross hair? Is it the, you know, obese people? She's like, what am I fighting for? You know what I mean? Like my genetics for it. So she was very humorous about it, but she went that other route and and I kept going with IVFs. And it was just interesting to see both of our paths because, you know, I would watch her then birth a healthy beautiful baby girl and I'm like still she would say you're still in the weeds you're in the weeds like you're just you know I think 
like I said, I mean, so many of our IVFs, we would, um, you know, if an IVF wasn't successful, we would, you know, have embryos that looked relatively great. Mm -hmm. Maybe just one chromosome was off. You know what I mean? So we were so close. And then other ones, we'd have like the mosaic embryo, um, mm -hmm. which means all the chromosomes are there. There's just a couple cells that might be off, but you don't really know if that even matters. It could just be a yeah. completely healthy baby. So, you know, there were little signs of hope throughout. And I also mean to be completely frank, and my husband would not agree with this. This was all me, but I felt yeah. like these are my problems. This is my problem and he's perfectly fine. And there was this guilt associated for me mm -hmm. that was like, I mm -hmm. want to give him his baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. because I kept trying to flip it and be like, how would I handle things? You know what I mean? If it was his problem and not mine and not that I would demand, you know, I have my baby, but mm -hmm. I don't know. There was just, I loved my husband so much and everything mm -hmm. he is that I was just mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do this for him, you know, and, and just try yeah. as hard as I can. And it, it, um, I don't know. And, and I mean, in terms of picking myself up and keep going, I, I'm just, even when I was, would date guys, you know, when I was dating guys, I was 16, 17, 20, I was young. Whenever I got a broken heart, Mm -hmm. which was a lot, by the way, um, I would get a broken heart, but I have this thing in me. I don't know where it comes from, but I would be like, you know, I am going to lay in bed and cry for one to two days over this scenario. And then I'm going to stand up. I mean, I'm going to come out strong, you know, and I would go exercise. And it was like new chapter. Like, I, it's just the way I would like, cause I believe you should mourn any, you know, something like that. It, but then I would yeah. pick myself up and say, no, I'm moving forward. I'm a winner. Like I'm a winner. I'm not losing. It was just this crazy mentality I had. And I don't know if it was my, I have a friend who's in AA and I don't know if it was what she learned in AA or if it was another support group, but someone once told me this line that they learned in their support group. And I thought it was so strong. They said, you know, you can either let your demon own you or you can mm -hmm. own them like you can get the upper hand over your demon and i just so in terms of mourning and being depressed and all that i've always lived by that ever since i heard them say i said that's so powerful you know because yeah i'm not letting whether the demon is a person who screwed me over or you know a boyfriend or even a failed ivf like i'm gonna keep trying you know until yeah until i get there so i it's it's a combination of a lot of a lot of different things too um but yeah. yeah, and I. That's amazing. I think I think your uh, middle name should be Carol Resilient <laughs> Silver Papas. <laughs> Thank you. You're so sweet. Um, you know, I, I would go to my um, fertility therapist, and yeah, she would say to me, "I don't like I I." She couldn't get over. She'd say, your resilience. Like, how do you bounce back? How are you sitting here in my office on my couch right now, kind of making jokes here and there? Um, and I had no answer for it, but I, I don't know. And there's actually a book that, you know, the baseball player, Derek Jeter, his sister wrote mm -hmm. that is about resilience and about how mm -hmm. some people mm -hmm. have more of it. And it's for anything, you know, if you've, you've gone through cancer, you've gone through other yeah. terrible things in life. And she profiles yeah. all these different people who've been through a lot of crazy things and how they found the resilience. So um, I'm actually going to try to have her on the show because I just thought when I saw the name of that book, I'm like, that is great because, you know, some people do find it, you know, within themselves yeah. to move forward and others can't. And I, I don't know. I can't fully answer it. I think we all have different makeups and, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I, yeah. but I think people like you, uh, make for inspiration for others mm. and i think that's amazing because mm -hmm. we need that Thank we need you. somebody to inspire us you know mm -hmm. uh, when you're in your darkest deepest places you know stories like yours bring people up and we need that, you know. Oh, thank you, Brenda. So I'm so thankful for thank that. You. Thank you. And that, that was that was actually one of the questions that someone sent to us. So we just hit one of the questions. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> that was the question. So I think we, it was it was how do you keep forging ahead after so many devastating losses? So that yeah. was one of the questions. And another question we got from the group mm -hmm. was how did you deal with the financial burden? Mm. Um and I don't know, I, it's funny because as soon as that question was asked, I thought about how on the Facebook group, you actually started a chart, which I found fascinating. 
you said, yeah. let me know where you live and how much your IVF cost. And mm -hmm. I mean, you could speak more to it, but I, I had one of the most pricey ones, probably because I was in LA slash New York, yeah. but there were other yeah. countries like my, I mean, just again, to be frank, mine probably cost a total of $20,000 each time. And the breakdown was mm -hmm. probably like 11 to 12,000 for the actual IVF. Um, mm -hmm. Probably I would get my embryos tested. So probably, three grand there and then about four grand in medicine, you know? So by the time you add that all up with a couple other little things I'm not thinking of, um, it would come to about 20 grand each time. But I noticed on your chart, mine was one of the highest ones. Highest. Yeah. Um, California, you know, stops the list. Like it's the highest over there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. I mean, is it, um, I, I'm not sure because, you know, 12 years ago when I had IVF, uh, a lot of things were not covered on insurance. Back then, a lot of things were out of pocket. Um, perhaps some of the medication was covered, but uh, I remember we had shelled out almost 12 grand back mm -hmm. then in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. For uh, I'm talking about 12 grand uh, total. So it wasn't a lot. Some parts were covered on insurance, probably mm -hmm. mine or my husband's. But this is two IUIs and one IVS. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure 10 years down the line, that number is probably right. double, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it, n none of mine were covered by insurance. Everything, mm -hmm. every single thing was out of pocket. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when the, the, the question is, how did you handle the financial burden? Clearly, do the math. I mean, I said I did 10 IVFs and I'm saying each one cost 20 grand, which again, this is over years. So uh -huh. it's, it was pretty spread out, but uh, every scenario is different. You know, and when you say, yeah. how do you, how do you handle the financial burden? Well, for us, we both had jobs and, you know, I, I looked at it like this is my body's problem. So I'm going to pay for, I'm going to keep working yeah. to pay for the IVFs, um, uh -huh. if we did like two a year or something. Um, and my husband's salary basically covered our living expenses and so forth. So I understand that everyone's in that scenario, but, yeah. um, you know, that was how, how we dealt with it. But I, I will say there were times, especially when we got to the surrogacy part, uh -huh. because surrogacy, with surrogacy, you have to put down large chunks of money at one time. It's a whole different thing. And I'll tell you, no matter how much you work, sometimes you don't have that large chunk of money. Um, because basically, they're not going to put your baby into another woman's body to carry for you unless they see that money. It's almost like buying a house, like see that money in the account, you know, because they don't want this yeah. selfless angel to, you know what I mean, be carrying a baby and yeah. we don't have money to pay for the medical and everything else. So, um, so yeah, the surrogacy part was harder and I, I borrowed money from one of my girlfriends and she was funny. She was just like, listen, if you need the money up front, that's no problem. Um, you know, we'll take it out of my daughter's bat mitzvah account because she doesn't need it for 12 years. <laughs> and she says, as long as you pay me back before the bat mitzvah in 12 years or whatever, sure, take it. You know, and then, I mean, my family members offered um, same thing. Uh -huh. They said, we have these accounts for our kids that they're not going to get till college anyway, you know, and we know you're good for it. Uh, my parents I borrowed from at one point and even my bosses at work knew what I was going through and a couple of them offered, you know, to, uh -huh. to loan us money. So, you know, I did um, accept some of that, paid it all back, you know, and within the year or so. Um, yeah. But that, you know, th those are a couple of my answers when it comes to the financial burden. And the other thing is, I mean, what, why I almost um, didn't, be con too concerned about the financial burden isn't about what I what money I made isn't about anything like that it was because I wanted a baby like I yeah. wanted to be a mom and even if we switched over um to adoption which we talked about we still talk about by the way um mm -hmm. it, like I have this greater feeling of I live one life you know we're only here one time and yeah. if this is what I want, then I'm going to find a way to pay for it. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I'm not going to end up being 60 years old and say, hey, that was my personal dream. Because it's not everyone's dream, but it was my personal dream to have a baby. And I didn't do it because I didn't. I couldn't figure out the money. 
that's not, no, yeah. I'd figure out the money. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so for us, uh, you know, it was something similar. Mm -hmm. I mean, both uh, my husband and I would love to travel. So we uh, decided not to travel for two years. We have mm -hmm. put, you know, certain money aside for that. And, you know, a lot of times I do tell friends, you know, uh, who want to consider IVF or IUI, I, I kind of put this in perspective for them. And I think, I hope this helps others too. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's say you you want to try IVF and it's expensive, but what if you had a baby? You would need that much extra money to care for that baby, right? That's great. Yeah. Well, think about, think about that. Think about you spending this money for your baby who's not there yet, but you know, what if you had that baby, right? You, I would need that extra 10 grand, 20 grand. That's right. Right. That's right. That is a great point. Yeah. So that's how I would, you know, internalize, like, you know, what if I had, what if I had a child right now? I mean, mm -hmm. would this be my excuse that I don't have the money? No, you know, I would have had to somehow make that arrangement and that's how it's going to be. I'm think I'm thinking of it like I'm putting this money for my baby, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's there, it's manifested in person yet or not. You know what I mean? Right. That is a brilliant yeah. thought. And yeah, I didn't even yeah, think of it that I way. You, no, 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 that. no. Of course. No, it's perfect. And, and it's funny. No, you, as you were saying that, which is such a great point, it, it made me think of, you know, when we were finally having our little guy, um, mm -hmm. I said to my husband, I said, you know, cause I, I work on a show that is around the Super Bowl, And I said, you know, I have this really busy time of year. I'm not busy all during the year, but I'm busy, yeah. you know, five months out of the year. And I said, I said, George, we're, we're going to need help. Like we're going to need, you know, a nanny or a babysitter during those mm -hmm. months. And, and it's around Christmas, of course. So it's a crazy time of year. And he said, well, where are we finding the money for that? And I said, hey, guess what? I'm not spending my money on IVF anymore. And it was like, my husband yeah. was like, you're right. He's like, the whole time we've been married, he's like, I feel like we have a windfall now because you're right. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a switching over of, Babies cost money. So, um, no, that is a really, really a great way of looking at it. Um, and yeah. kind of a, a funny thought too, because babies cost money, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so another question we got was how did the losses affect your marriage? Which is a really, really good question. And go ahead. I'll let you go first this time, Brenda, you go. Okay. So, um, I, um, yeah, I was, um, thinking about when you said, you know, you wanted to do this for your husband, you know, and the whole guilt. So, um, that really caught my attention, Carol. I mean, uh, I don't know why, but women have this guilt, you know, when we're not able to reproduce. So I, I often like wonder why I think it's something built in. You know, it's like a built-in app, the guilt app. Yeah, yeah, the guilt app. <laughs> yeah, the guilt app, you know. Uh, we just feel, we, we feel responsible if you're not able to reproduce. And I think it's equally um, a man's uh, domain as well. Because, you know, if we don't have a sperm, there's no way we could reproduce. But somehow, I think our emotional, you know, um, psyche is such that we go through that and I often went through like deep, you know, uh, deep guilt periods where I would just, and, and the worst part is when you're not able to have a baby, you know, everybody around you who's having babies mm -hmm. and you're like, are you kidding me? You know, mm -hmm. sometimes some friends would say, oh my God, I didn't know how this happened. And I'm like, how do you know that? No. And here I am trying so hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I know how this happens. How do you not know, you know? Or, or, you know, just unplanned pregnancies. And every time yeah. I would hear that, I would be so upset, Carol. I, yeah. I would be sometimes angry. I would discuss with my husband and I would be upset at him. Like, you know, what's going on? Although by then we had both ourselves tested and, you know, both our parameters were, you know, fine. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, blaming God, you know, mm -hmm. blaming my karma, my past life, you know, we're all into that. So I was just a lot of questions, a lot of strain, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you, you think about, did I marry the right person? You know, was, was this meant to be like, should I be with somebody else? Like, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, that becomes 
that was also the goal of my life to have a child, mm -hmm. you know, or two children maybe. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, one of the goals I would say, but, uh, you know, to the point that when you're really into it, you're trying so much and you're trying so hard, you're obsessed about, I mean, all you think about is baby, 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 baby. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, that put a strain on our relationship because, you know, there's so much built-in anger and frustration that it comes out in ways you don't expect it yeah. to, right? Yes, correct. So you have moments of desperation, you have moments of anger, and you know, you're, you're, you're angry about something, but then you're lashing out on him for something else. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have our trying times, but because both of us were spiritually grounded, I think that has kept that that helped us sail through that time, you know. That's yeah, beautifully that, said. That, yeah, that helped us sail through that time. That was our anchor. The mm -hmm. spiritual uh, you know, uh path we both follow was our anchor and it kept us grounded through our marriage and it has so far, you know. Mm -hmm. And in your scenario, you know, you were trying you know, younger than I was, which was great. And so for you and your test both came back, you know, both yours and your husband's as being fine. Yeah. Now our test came back fine, but it was just clear that we got married late, you know, and I was 40. Okay. So, you know what I mean? It was kind of like a given, you know, I've, I've got yeah. some good eggs. It's just harder to find them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and going to take much longer to find them. So we knew that. And I agree. I can't explain the guilt thing. And I don't want anyone out there. I don't want to push guilt on anyone. You shouldn't feel that way. And, and, yeah. and, and by the way, what I meant to say too, was that that feeling of guilt was all on me because my husband, after about two, maybe three IVFs, said, let's go look at adoption. Let's go yeah. look at, you know, bringing in a foster child. Like my husband is is so open-minded it was me for some reason who was just hell-bent on on you know making sure you know he you know what I mean like had had his mm -hmm. baby it just I can't explain it and that's just a me personal thing I guess it's these mm -hmm. things are, are so personal but um yeah and in terms of how did it affect our marriage um it's exactly what you said I mean we had our moments of you know, when we lost those, those three babies, plus another one at one point, I mean, we did, we went through the, the stages of mourning, you know, by textbook, you know, where it's like sadness and then anger and then acceptance. And, and there was a night I remember where my, you know, my husband's like, maybe we're not meant to be together. And those words hurt so badly, but Mm -hmm. But he was, you know, like I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. He just said it and I knew he didn't mean it deep down. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing I would, I would say to women, um, you know, it, this is a really painful process emotionally too. And mm -hmm. you kind of got to roll with some of it, you know, because when we went through that weekend where we had those conversations deep down, we both knew we're meant to be together, but we had to say it. It was like, I don't know. You know, I think, especially in my scenario, um, you know, he was, I felt like he was suffering off of what were my issues. And that was a terrible feeling. And I said, he has every right to go through his own stages of grief. He has a right to be angry, you know, and to that point, men, men suffer differently than us women through anything. If you lose a parent, you lose, you know, a friend um, passes away. It's amazing to me the difference. You know, men are usually pretty stoic um, and then they take it out in other ways. And, you know, sometimes they're really quiet and you don't know what's wrong with them and it bugs you, but it's because yeah. they're mourning. Sometimes they avoid you. Sometimes, sometimes they're jerks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, they don't mean to be like we women, we cry because we're allowed to cry. You know what I mean? And we scream and cry because that's kind of how many of us are built. And for men, that's not the standard. So they take it out in other ways. I mean, I remember just a side story when my grandmother passed away. I remember, you know, we went to the wake and funeral and I, I was crying, you know, my sister was crying and I went upstairs that night and my little brother, I found him scrubbing the tub. And then he said to me, Carol, your hair's all over the drain. It's disgusting. You need to stop this. And I said to myself, my brother was like, I don't know, 13. I'm like, my 13 year old brother has never cleaned a thing in his life. Like, why is he scrubbing the tub tonight? 
and complaining about my hair in the drain. And I said, it's because he's mourning. And that's the difference between men and women. So I think there needs to be, you know, an understanding about that. And, and like I said, I mean, if, you know, the for me, since I felt like these issues were on my end, I mean, my husband, he was the unsung hero. Like he, mm-hmm. to this day, and I'm still getting notes. I just got a note last night that said, I watched your three episodes. I loved your husband before, but now I cannot believe the love I have for him, you know? And, and I'm so glad she said that because, you Mm -hmm. know, people don't see those things, but he, he was, yeah, he was a hero through all of it. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a crazy trying process. And I had friends who didn't make it through, you know, when I was going through IVF, another friend and her partner you know, they didn't make it through and and it made me really sad, you know, and, and I get it because there's the emotional part, there's the physical part, there's the financial part. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough road. So I think too, and I think, you know, when when people ask what kept me going, I think it's, it's relative to who the people are and what their ages are. You know what I mean? If I were starting this at age 44 and I was like, well, going to do 10 IVFs. I would not do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's different for everybody. Like if you're Uh 38 and you're like, we're going to make this happen. I'm like, go for it. You know what I mean? Like Uh do what you can because you still have time probably, Uh you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's all relative to each person's, each person's journey. But the, the other thing I wanted to cover, um, was what are the three things both you and I, like, what, what, what do you wish you knew before starting IVF and your infertility journey? If there were three things you could take away that say, I wish I knew this when I started, what would they be? Mm-hmm. So um, I think the first one, Carol, would be like a support group mm-hmm. that I run right now. Yeah. I wish, I really, really wish I had that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Because there were so many question marks that you know, uh, that I read about now, women discussing women and sometimes even men on the group that I'm like, you know, I never thought of these things or I wasn't told of these things. Maybe medicine has, of course, advanced over the years, mm-hmm. but still just to have that support group and a non-judgmental space, you know, because when you're speaking with people known to you, sometimes you can be judged, you know, Um, there's prejudice, you know, there's like, you know, all of that. But when you're in an open space like this, like a forum, if I may Mm -hmm. say, you know, you're not judged based on your past, you know, or your present. People just take you as is and give you advice. And I really wish I had that, Mm -hmm. you know, like a support group. Um, or more information because I would have done some things differently. And that's my second point. I wish I had frozen my embryos and I I wish I'd gone in for a second IVF. Mm -hmm. I didn't uh, really do that, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I regret that sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, I regret it. And Mm -hmm. now I'm 45. So I I really don't, you know. Right. uh, And like, I'm out of that space. But I wish I had my embryos from back then. Or somebody would have said, hey, you know, even if you don't think of uh, having embryos frozen, just have your eggs frozen or something, you know, like just someone to guide me. Because I have some friends now in India who are um, IVF specialists and they recommend that. Mm -hmm. They recommend that to everybody. I wasn't uh, given that recommendation, nor did I have any knowledge about it. I just had that one friend that I'm so thankful for who pushed me to do the idea, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of who oh, I have my baby now, but I wish I could try a second round mm-hmm. much many years later. But then you know it was too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know the third thing is um, I always um, I always want to tell people, and you know I wish someone told me back then uh, more emphatically that it doesn't matter how the baby comes. You know why are we so obsessed? with a natural reproduction, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I feel timing is important. Um, had I looked at IVF a little earlier, maybe I would have had two, three rounds of IVF and had some more babies because I wanted more than one child, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the opportunity or the timeline 
to look into that option because we were moving countries and, you know, a lot mm. of things in place. Life happens. Yep. Yeah. So I like, um, I do want to tell people, don't be so obsessed with, you know, uh, how the baby came. Mm-hmm. It's important. If you want to have a baby, just get a baby. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how it comes. You know, I, whether it's naturally, it's IVF, IUI, surrogacy. I love that you say that. You know, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what matters is not how you bring the child into the world, but how you raise the child in this world, well, you know? Yes. So beautifully said, beautifully that. said. And I, that is how I ended my uh, third, you know, the third part of my fertility journey, those episodes. I said, you know, I brought up a couple of points and that was one of them. And, and something yeah. my fertility therapist taught me I remember her saying it, she goes, Carol, you know, wherever this journey takes you, you know, if you choose to adopt, if you choose to use, you know, some sort of a donor, if you choose to use surrogacy or, you know, things work out for the two of you and for you to birth yourself, she said, motherhood is all the same. It's picking up Cheerios off the floor. It's cuddles and giggles and fun times. And then it's going to bed with your body aching so badly that you have no idea how you're going to get up again and do it all over again but you do because you love it and i'll never forget her saying that you know that she was right and um so yeah it's uh that was a really really great point about it's it's how you raise them as opposed to mm-hmm. how they came to be and um yeah and my three things are, are sort of similar to yours but my first thing was i i didn't realize going into it how much the the concept and word time would mean to me and i guess because i was you know 40 or 39 and a half starting this and time became a big thing to us because we kept doing the math in our head. Oh my gosh, we're going to be 45 year old parents. Oh my God, do the math. When they're graduating high school, we're going to be this age, you know, all of that sort of stuff really started getting to us. And I, and you know, that's the one thing I would say to people is, and you Brenda are so fortunate in that, you know, you did the one IVF and, and sometimes it takes more than one. And, and I had a friend, I remember we were exercising one day and she said, okay, so we're going to start doing IVF. And I figure I could do three or four IVFs a year if I have to. And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, stop right there. And I said, that's not mm-hmm. how it works yeah. because yeah. not only does your body have to recuperate and so forth mm-hmm. from an IVF, I said, but there's hurdles. And it's what you just mm-hmm. said, Brenda, it's life happens. You could yeah. do an IVF, maybe it's not successful, and then you lose a family member and you miss yeah. the right timing because you're dealing yeah. with funerals or you lose a job or you change jobs. You know what I mean? I said, life happens in the middle of all this that throws you up. Or you start an IVF cycle and they find a big cyst or something and they say, sorry, got to stop yeah. this one. You got to heal for two months and we're going to start again. I go, don't look at this like, I'm going to knock out three or four IVFs a year because life, life and time happen. Um, that was the one thing that, that I learned. I, I also learned to, to be prepared for a lot of insensitive questions. Um, a lot of them. And, you know, a lot of the times we got the, what are you doing? You know, why don't you just adopt? And, um, like I said, you know, that was always, my husband was always, you know, very much, um, considering that and wanted to consider that. And it was me who, who kept going forward and I guess uh, some some therapists could psychoanalyze me uh, and figure out, you know, why. But like I said, we still do consider adoption. And um, but it's just, you know, no one's living your life. So when you get questions like that, I mean, we I would also hear, you know, oh, you're using surrogacy. So, oh, yeah, the surrogates, do, uh, you know, I know the surrogates do it for the money. And I'm like, stop, hold up. OK, because. That's not what my experience was. I mean, I I met, besides my own two surrogates, so many other beautiful surrogates who who really like they had a different reason for doing it. And I'm not going to get into their personal stories, but they were very spiritual connected about their feelings on life and giving life. And maybe they lost other lives, you know, important to them. And this was their own healing. It was actually... I found surrogacy to be such a beautiful, beautiful like journey of sisterhood and healing and rebirth. And I could go into it for days, but, uh, you know, and I remember um, when I was 30 and I was single and, you know, not even thinking of marriage, living in New York City, my sister was having her kids then. I remember her calling me. I remember I was in my office at ESPN and she called and she goes, you know, 
I might want to be interested in surrogacy. And I was like, what? Like, cause I didn't know much about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you, uh-huh. and you know, what are you saying? And she said, I just love being pregnant, you know, and there are women out there who do. And, and my sister's like, I love being pregnant. And I mean, she loved everything about it and she carried great. She had no problems, unlike her little sister. But like, it was just this thing where I'm like, when people say that, oh, the surrogate sued for money, it really irritates me because like my sister's uh-huh. a perfect point. She wouldn't have done it for the money. There was no talk of money. There was the talk of, wow, I could help some other person. And I love being uh-huh. pregnant, you know? So uh-huh. um, so that was another thing I learned was to be prepared to answer insensitive questions. And then the third one is, you know, to always keep first and foremost your marriage and to work on your marriage, uh, which we both wow. kind of talked about, about at one yeah. point. And, and for us, um, you know, we, I, I don't know how I'd say we handled it. I feel like probably we took trips, you know, to really mm-hmm. be able to reconnect. We went to, you know, uh, we went to South Korea, we went to Japan, we went to Amsterdam, you know, and Paris and just, Little times away, like you said, you become obsessed with it. You become obsessed with looking at the calendar. When is my next period so I can start my next cycle so I can try again? It's it's become such an obsession that, yeah, for us, um, you know, I think taking that time, uh, Uh you know, to just reconnect was really, really important. And then, like you say, even after you have a baby, you need that time, too, because you kind of live your lives for your babies so to speak and that's really the wrong way to do it you know like you should live for each other and then raise and take care of that baby so um yeah it's 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 always about you know marriage is a is a work in in progress and it needs to be two people working at it you know for it for it to work so that's that's the other thing um yeah that I that, that was my third point I think that I would take away from it I think the third point is really so important, Carol. I mean, if both of you can't be in this together, it makes it even more difficult Mm -hmm. because as is you're going through so many emotions and, you know, going through a difficult time, you know, trying to have a baby, trying different methods, IUI, IVF. So if your partner is not supportive and, you know, if you're not connected to each other, it can make it even more uh, challenging so it's it's that third point really hit me you know like yes I mean that's really the foundation of everything really you know it is the foundation and you know it's I hearken back to when George and I were getting married and we we're planning our wedding and we got into a big fight like all all brides and brides and groups to be do okay everyone these movies make it seem like it's perfect the the shower's perfect. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was some of the worst months of my life. It just was because, you know, you have all these different personalities piping up and, um, you know, two families coming together that might have different visions of how things should be. And and uh-huh. my wedding planning was stressful, but George and I had just a really, really difficult argument. And it was a couple of weeks before our wedding. And I remember his cousin Gus calling us and or he sent us a note and it was a really beautifully written note and he is about uh 10 maybe 12 years older than us so just older enough to kind of give some (laughs) more wisdom and he said you two are sitting here fighting over one of the you know financial elements of your wedding or whatever um he said you have no idea what's ahead of you if this is what you're fighting over you have absolutely no idea what marriage is going to throw your way and you better buckle up because what yeah. you guys are having a knockdown drag out fight about, it, it, there's going to be things 10 times more enormous to tackle. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, okay, well, what could that be? And then lo and behold, look at our journey. You know what I mean? And I, I think of Gus's words so often because it was almost like, a prediction of the future that we were going to go on yeah. this crazy journey and we had to just buckle up and be strong. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, um, that's, that's it's funny because one of our friends always tells us, um, you know, uh, well, in, in the initial years of marriage, he would tell us, you know, uh, marriage is actually uh, an institution, you know, people talk about love and bonding and togetherness. He said, oh, that's all bull crap. <laughs> marriage is an institution of tolerance. If you can tolerate another person for the rest of your life, that's marriage. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, 
And to to that point, tolerate, that's a great word. And, you know, my parents have been married. I believe they're going on in just a week or, or actually, yeah, right around now is their um, 59th wedding anniversary. They had four kids and my dad traveled all the time. And uh-huh. I don't want to speak for them, but if I had to say what their secrets were, you know, it was um, spend some time apart. You know, there are couples yeah. who are never apart they go to everything together and my mom was home with four kids and my dad was off traveling you know to support us for his job and my mom often makes a half joke and is like i think that's why our marriage survived because you know and then we weren't on top of each other the whole time but then to their credit my parents every saturday night went out on a date night every single saturday i don't think they missed one and they would go out with other couples dancing and and i just vividly remember being like five years old and my mom getting all dolled up and i mean i i look back and i'm like i know how exhausted i am with one baby like my mom had four but she still she put on her heels she put on makeup her perfume and and they went out for a night of dancing to reconnect once a week because the rest of the week it was like, you know, crazy four kids, dad's work, stressful, but they always reconnected on Saturday nights. And I I, I have to start doing that better with my husband. We always talk about it because I do. Yeah. I think that's the secret. Like life hits you hard and you need those reconnection moments. But um, but this has been so wonderful and I am so glad we did it because we hit even more than, you know, infertility. We did. We hit marriage and friendship and, yeah. and a lot of things. And um, yeah. so I want everyone to know that Brenda's Facebook group is called IVF, Infertility and Pregnancy Support. Um, and Brenda, I have to I have to commend you because listen what uh i mean you you say like i i wish there were support groups around and so forth and it's too bad there there wasn't and you know when i went through my stuff there wasn't even the concept of really freezing eggs or anything like that um a couple years it came a couple years after so i commend you because you're giving back a gift you know the gift that you never had and i mean i i knew when we first started talking about doing this you had fifteen thousand people in the group that I yeah. looked the other day. I'm like, it's over 16. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty well. And to see people writing in from India and from France and Australia and, and every place else, you know, just with this one bond that we all have is, is really, mm-hmm. really amazing. And what you've done is um, you've, you've really helped a lot of people. So I, I commend you for starting it. And I encourage anyone else going through IVF, infertility, any sort who need any sort of pregnancy support to to check out that Facebook group, IVF, infertility and pregnancy support. Um, so I wanted to say thank you, Brenda. It was so great to finally meet you sitting there in your car. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm I am uh, thrilled to uh, you know be here with you and. Honestly, I'm very grateful to you, Carol, for doing this with me and, um, you know, helping so many women out there because stories like yours, like I always say, are extremely inspiring and they're positive stories of hope because I think hope can really do wonders for people. Mm-hmm. And yours, uh, your journey is a journey of hope and positivity and you know resilience and I just love that and for you to spend uh, this time trying to help other women going through your journey is really really inspiring and I'm ever so grateful please continue to be a part of the group I'm sure you will and uh, you know thank you so much for doing this thank you and like I said and like you said too if you want to be a mom you can, you can be a mom, you know, sometimes you have to just take a journey you didn't think of, or your journey takes a little sidebar, like-minded, you know, example, surrogacy, but, you know, go in it with an open mind and you live one life, you can become a mom or a dad if if you want to get there. So I, I end every episode with saying celebrate life. So I know I know you are on a journey right now, visiting a bunch of friends and family. You're like on a cross country trek. So to me, that's celebrating life. And I I think it's great. So safe journeys to you. And thank you so, so much for being a part today. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you. And I wish you all the best. And I look forward to, uh, you know, promoting all your podcasts on the group. I'm sure a lot of women will benefit. And, you know, 
hopefully this will be um, an inspiring journey for them too. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for joining. You can find me at hollywoodsportsmom.com and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.